We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Away we go, episode 135 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, September 1st, 2021. The start of a new month, the start of a new part of the year for the Washington football team, as this day is the first day for the WFT with its newly formed 53-man roster. For the 2021 season, it is a roster that includes Jared Patterson, Samus Reyes, and Troy Apke, a.k.a. Trap. But the roster does not include Peyton Barber, Antonio Gandy-Golden, or Jimmy Moreland, who apparently fell into a trap. Perhaps the trap was set by Trap. I'm not sure. But yeah, man, the pride of James Madison, the people's corner, the man known as Jimmy Effin Moreland, he got cut on Tuesday. That was easily the biggest surprise, a cutdown day for the Washington football team. But what happened? Jimmy Moreland was Washington's primary nickel corner last season, did a nice job, and now he's gone. I will discuss that and everything else. That went down for the Washington football team on cutdown day on Tuesday. A position group by position group assessment of Washington's first 53-man roster begins next segment, including the key answers from Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew at their joint press conference late Tuesday afternoon. No other podcast or show covers the Washington football team like this one. I don't just talk about it. We be about it on this pod. I give you all of the key sound that other pods and shows won't give you. You will hear the words of the head coach, Ron Rivera. You will hear the words of the general manager, Martin Mayhew. And uh, I have a few words to say as well. If you're a Nationals fan, Tuesday was a significant day. The Nats demoted Victor Robles, the guy who at one time was a more well-regarded prospect than Juan Soto was, now in the minors. My reaction to the Nats optioning Robles to AAA Rochester and to a brutally long Nats loss on Tuesday night coming up later in the show. Three hours, 50 minutes, a 12-6 loss to the Philadelphia Phillies at Nationals Park as Patrick Corbin ultimately got shelled again. The Orioles did win on Tuesday night, a 4-2 victory at the Toronto Blue Jays as Keegan Aiken was good for a second consecutive start. As the uh, Buffalo Springfield song says, there's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. 
Although some of us came to appreciate that song as the sample in He Got Game by Public Enemy. But anyway, I'll talk O's and Aiken late in the show. This is a big deal if Keegan Aiken is finally figuring things out. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I got a lot of tweets about the Washington football team keeping Troy Apke, a.k.a. Trap on its 53-man roster and not keeping Jimmy Moreland. A tweet from Stanley Ellis Evans. I can't really understand that one. Tweet from Michael Cole. Not the WWE announcer, Michael Cole. Another Michael Cole. Uh, Just don't see the Apke move. He has numerous accounts on film of being out of position, poor tackling techniques, as well as overall just looking lost. He does have speed, and I guess they like him on special teams. Uh, Thought best players make the roster. John, Troy Apke better have 50 tackles on special teams this season. Tiga da Sigma. Why is Apke on the damn team? Reminds me of the bum, Reed Dowdy. Both horrible. Neither ever belonged in NFL. Uh, Pitt WFT fan, who would you take, Apke or Reed Dowdy? Jeez, a lot of Jonin on Reed Dowdy. Uh, But I did get tweets defending Troy Apke, a.k.a. Trap over Jimmy Moreland. Nathaniel Turner, great move. Moreland is undersized, slower than Apke. Tom Johnson, Moreland was very undisciplined and can only play nickel. Apke plays teams, corner, and safety. Uh, Well, Moreland can play more than nickel. And you say Apke plays teams, corner, and safety. Apke plays teams well. Does Apke play corner and safety well? Because that's what position flex is all about. Position flex isn't just to throw someone into some spot. Position flex is you can do multiple things well. Can Troy Apke do multiple things well? And you say Apke can play safety. Is he still even an option at safety off what happened last season? Mark Wilson says Apke has position flex. If anyone hasn't heard this term, they need to watch more Ron Rivera conferences. Uh, as in press conferences. Yes, uh, if anyone listens to this podcast, uh, that person is very familiar with position flex. Well, much more on Troy Apke over Jimmy Moreland and everything else with Washington's 53-man roster in moments. But yes, position flex is very much a thing for Ron Rivera. Position flex. Yes, Ron, position flex. Just like commission flex is a thing for John Grandlin of Real Broker. Listen up if you're looking to sell your home. The days of some flat commission rate, regardless of how easy it is to sell your home, are over, are done. John Grandlin is changing the game with a groundbreaking concept he calls commission flex. What is commission flex, you ask? It's very simple. Flexible commission rates. You see, not every house requires the same amount of work or money spent marketing. So why should you pay the same fees? It doesn't make sense. It's never made sense. If your house is going to sell in six minutes, don't pay 6%. John Grandlin will put a marketing plan together for you that will maximize your home's value and help you to keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket. You see, John Grandlin has a menu of commission packages from which you can choose, including selling your home for free. Yeah, you heard that right. For free, zero commission Some conditions do apply, but interviewing John Granlin is an absolute no-brainer. He can come by your house, give you a step-by-step plan on what to do to get top dollar, and maybe even more importantly, what not to do so you don't spend needlessly and there's never any obligation to list or sell. If you need to sell your home and aren't sure to whom to turn, if you've been trying to sell your home and you're not satisfied with how things are going, if you're even just thinking about selling your home, do yourself a favor, call John Granlin and see what he can do for you. There's no pressure. There's no obligation. But this is a phone call that could make and or save you tens of thousands of dollars. You have nothing to lose. John G is a great guy, big Washington football team fan, big Nats fan, great sense of humor, very easy to talk to. And he knows DMV real estate so well. So call John Granlin. The phone number is 703-537-6700. 47. When you call John G, make sure that you tell him that Al Galdi sent you and make sure that you ask John G about what you keep hearing about on the Al Galdi podcast, Commission Flex. That phone number again, 703-537-6747 or visit johngsellsforfree.com. That's johngsellsforfree.com. 
John Grandland. Nobody will do a better job of selling your home. And remember, John Grandland is the originator of Commission Flex. Position Flex. Yes, Ron, just like Position Flex. All right, so we on Tuesday had the Washington football team making its cut down to 53. It is on Wednesday that Washington can begin assembling a practice squad of up to 16 players. It's worth noting that the 53-man roster that was set on Tuesday is version one of a 53-man roster that will change many, many times over the next four months. Heck, the roster seems likely to change over the next few days. Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew seem to suggest as much during their joint press conference on Tuesday. In fact, this was Martin on there being so much time between the cut down to 53 and the start of the regular season. Well, what it does is it gives you a lot more time to study other people's rosters. People will be studying our roster and our practice squad. Um, so there will be some evaluation that continues um, beyond today and tomorrow. Uh, I think you might see some movement from practice squad to active roster across the league. Uh, but just having that extra time gives every team an opportunity to evaluate what they have and what other teams have. All right. And then right after that, Ron got asked about Washington only keeping four linebackers on the 53. And this was Ron's answer. You know, we're, we're not through with that position. It's a position we're constantly evaluating. Yeah, so both Ron and Martin on Tuesday spoke as if changes to Washington's 53-man roster could be coming quite soon. So what I want to do with you over these next two segments is go through each position group, look at who Washington kept on its 53-man roster, discuss the notable cuts, and examine what Ron and Martin had to say about things. And I'm going to actually start with the defense because that was more interesting than the offense in terms of Washington's cut down to the first 53. So by far, the most controversial thing that Washington did on Tuesday was cut Jimmy Moreland. Now, it's important to understand that with each of the cuts, there's the possibility of the guy being signed by Washington to its practice squad. But I would be surprised if Moreland isn't signed to another team's active roster. Let's make something clear. Jimmy Moreland had a good season last season. Moreland in the 2020 regular season played on 57.32% of Washington's defensive snaps. He played in all 16 games, and he did this for a Washington defense that in the 2020 regular season, it was number two in the NFL in pass defense for a football outsider's DVOA metric, and was number six in the NFL in third down defense. Moreland, of course, was Washington's primary nickel corner last season, and he did a good job. Moreland, per the NFL's next-gen stats, was the number three slot corner in the NFL in the 2020 regular season. He ranked number three among all qualified corners in slot coverage success rate, which is the percentage of targets as the nearest defender that result in a successful play for the defense. Nobody, and I mean nobody, had Jimmy Moreland being cut by Washington. It did stand out that Moreland played in Washington's preseason ending loss to the Baltimore Ravens at FedEx Field this past Saturday evening when so many other key Washington players were rested. But I didn't hear from or read anyone who had Moreland getting cut, and yet he got cut. Now, the Washington football team, and it's cut down to 53 on Tuesday, kept six corners. William Jackson III, Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Juice, Tory McTire, Daryl Roberts, and Troy Apke. And yes, it is that last name that stands out to most of us. McTire, Roberts, and Apke, all making the 53, was a surprise. You may have expected any one of those three to make the 53, but raise your hand if you truthfully expected all three to make the 53. Most people had McTire making it. I certainly did. But not many had Roberts and Apke making it. Although Apke making it wasn't a shock because we know that Ron Rivera likes Apke and has praised him quite a bit for his special teams work. But Apke over Moreland? That's a tough one, okay? That's a tough one to justify. Ron at his press conference on Tuesday did not give a reason for cutting Moreland. Ron did confirm that Moreland was cut with an injury designation, but the injury wasn't that big of a deal. Here was Ron on that Moreland injury. Yeah, he had um, something from the game. It, it was it was it was minor. 
Yes, it was minor. Uh, Shortcut, but I wanted to play that for you because I heard from some people on Tuesday saying, well, Moreland was cut with an injury designation. Well, yeah, but that's not that big of a deal. And even if the injury was a big deal, Washington could have placed Moreland on the reserve injured list so as not to lose him, or Washington could have put Moreland on the 53 and then put him on the reserve injured list so the team could eventually activate Moreland, or Washington could have just put Moreland on the 53 and let him recover on the 53. The injury was never that big of a deal, even if the injury was more of a deal than just a minor injury. As far as we can tell, Ron cut Moreland because Ron didn't think that Moreland was good enough. And that's just surprising. Given the significant role that Moreland played on a good and much improved Washington defense last season, I'm not trying to say that Jimmy Moreland is Daryl Green, but Moreland was good last season. If you watch the games, if you follow the team, if you're being objective about things, you can't sit here and tell me that Jimmy Moreland wasn't good last season. He was good. Maybe not great, but he was good. And you can't have too much depth at corner in this past happy NFL. And that McTire, Roberts, and Apke all made it over Moreland really is something. Maybe there's more to the story. We shall see. Ron Rivera deserves a benefit of the doubt. So I'm willing to trust Ron on this. Regarding Apke, heck yeah, I'm skeptical on Troy Apke. And I know that a lot of you are as well. Apke did not do well as a free safety of Ron, remember, beginning last regular season with Apke as Washington starting free safety. Apke very mixed as a corner during training camp and in the preseason this year. Apke, yes, is a very good special teams player. Nobody denies that. But, you know, let's understand something here. While special teams matter, they don't matter nearly as much as offense and defense. Okay, like all this stuff about special teams are so important. Yes, special teams are important. Everything is important in the NFL. But there's a very clear hierarchy of offense and defense mattering a lot more than special teams. Like if you just break down overall plays in a season, special teams plays come out to being somewhere between one sixth and one fifth of your overall plays. That's it. Like when people say special teams are a third of the game. uh, No, they're not. That's just something that people say. But special teams plays only make up somewhere between about a sixth to a fifth of your overall plays in a season. So yes, special teams matter, but they don't matter like offense and defense matter. And if you just bottom line this with the question of what's more valuable, a good nickel corner or a good special teams player, the answer is a good nickel corner and it's not even close. So let's see what happens. Again, I'm willing to give Ron Rivera a benefit of the doubt on this in cutting Jimmy Moreland and keeping Troy Apke. But, you know, Ron loves himself some Apke. And I just wonder sometimes if that is perhaps a blind love. And uh, Ron is just not seeing what, like, seemingly so many of us are seeing. And that is that, you know, this guy seems like a good guy and everything, good special teams player, but not worthy of a spot on your 53-man roster. But Ron really values Apke as a special teams player. That's as clear as can be. In fact, Ron on Tuesday called Apke one of the best special teams players in the NFL. Take a listen. We kept one of the luxury ones with Troy because, you know, Trapp's one of the best special teams players in the league. I mean, people have to game plan for him as a gunner, um, as a kickoff coverage guy. Because uh, of his speed, you know he's a, he's a, he's a good vice guy on on uh, on punt uh, return team, and on uh, on uh, kickoff return, he, you know he plays in the he plays in the front line. I mean, you have an opportunity when you have that other group of guys to keep a luxury uh, a player, and that's really what he is. Because he's 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 a guy that we saw some flashes. We saw a guy that showed some of his speed. Uh, did play some corner. Um, we did see some very physical play from him as well, but he's a specialist. And, you know, if we're going to be good as a football team, we got to be good on special teams as well. Yeah, again, Ron loves himself some Troy Apke. We will see if that love is rewarded. As far as Daryl Roberts goes, so it seemed in the offseason like Roberts was likely to make Washington's first 53, but he then seemingly did nothing in training camp and the preseason Until the end, Daryl Roberts, it turns out, really came on in recent weeks. Ron on Tuesday on the rise of Roberts. We felt like we had some really good battles all the way to the very, very end. And and, and some guys, you know, really showed. um, And I told you guys this, too, the other day, that that the last game helped kind of push some things over. You know, Um, 
Dell Roberts, you know, really had a strong game. Uh, he had actually a strong two weeks leading up and just really shined. And, and he's a guy that really is intriguing and we want to see a little bit more out of. All right. And this was Ron later in his press conference on Tuesday on Roberts. Well, I, I think, again, just looking at, 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 at both sides of the ball, there were several guys that, you know, we had some questions about and, and wanted to, you know, wanted to see if, 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 if they were what we thought. And so it was good to watch. I mean, uh, and I did use Dale Roberts as an example. He's a guy that, you know, started slow because he had to learn our system. Um, you know, some guys had an edge on him because they knew our system. And uh, the last couple of weeks, he really stepped up to the plate, uh, played good football, was very physical and, and, and caught our eye. Um, so that was good. So Daryl Roberts, Washington signed him as an unrestricted free agent this past March 26. He's going into his age 31 season. He spent the 2020 season playing for the Detroit Lions, though he missed five games due to injury, four games due to hip and groin injuries, and then another game due to a hip injury. Roberts, over his 11 games in the 2020 regular season, played on at least 60% of the Lions defensive snaps six times, but he finished with an overall grade for pro football focus of just 54.3. He was taken by the New England Patriots in the seventh round of the 2015 NFL Draft. Adam Marshall spent all of his 2015 rookie season on the Pats reserve injured list, was released in the Pats cut down to 53 for the 2016 season, got claimed off waivers by the New York Jets in September 2016, played for them for four seasons, 2016 through 2019. But a big thing with Daryl Roberts is, yes, position flex. Position flex. Yes, Ron. Position flex. Daryl Roberts has played all over the place in the secondary. He has played outside corner, slot corner, free safety, and box safety. And now, at least for now, he's on Washington's first 53. Another notable cut by Washington on Tuesday on defense, Jeremy Reeves. So Washington, and it's cut down to 53, kept five safeties. Landon Collins, Cameron Curl, Bobby McCain, DeShazer Everett, and Derek Forrest. Reeves, as we thought might be the case, was the odd man out. He's a definite practice squad candidate, but I certainly could see him being signed to another team's active roster. Reeves in the 2020 season started each of Washington's last three regular season games and the wild card loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field. He in the 2020 regular season registered an overall grade for pro football focus of 81.2 which is really good. But if you're looking for signs of Washington's increased depth, this is a sign. A guy in Reeves who was a starter down the stretch last season doesn't even make Washington's first 53 for this season. Rod Rivera on Tuesday on whether some of these cuts were signs that Washington is further ahead in its rebuilding process than initially thought. I think that's a fair assessment. I, I think our depth is a little bit better. Um, you know, last year I think we only kept five wide receivers on the on, on the first cut, if I remember correctly. But then we had like four or five of them on practice squad or something like that. Um, this year, you know, we we had nine guys down to the end that we had to, we were trying to decide from, um, and so that was a sign. Same thing in the secondary. Yeah, and so that's a major thing to be thinking about here. Like, you can get caught up in Jimmy Moreland. You can get caught up in Troy Apke. You can get caught up in Jeremy Reeves. But there's a more global phenomenon underway, and that is that Washington is a deeper team. Washington is appreciably deeper as compared to, say, two years ago. Now, when it came to linebackers, Washington, and it's cut down to 53 on Tuesday, kept just four linebackers, Jamin Davis, Cole Holcomb, John Bostick, and Kalik Hudson. I think that this could be telling about how the linebacker position doesn't matter like it used to with teams being a nickel so often. And for all of the talk last season about Ron Rivera not being pleased with his linebacker play, and for all of the talk this past offseason about Washington needing to upgrade at linebacker, it turns out that linebacker may well just not matter as much as people like to think that it matters. But like I said, changes could be coming to Washington's 53. So it may well be that a linebacker is about to be added and Washington is in fact going to be prioritizing the linebacker position. So let's wait and see on what Washington does at linebacker before we go all in on a stance. But it is worth noting that the likes of David Mayo, Jared Norris, and Joe Walker all got cut. Each guy presumably is a practice squad candidate. And then with the defensive line, Washington, and it's cut down to 53, kept five edge rushers. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, 
James Smith Williams, who Ron Rivera again called James Williams Smith. Ron did this a few weeks ago. I got all over Ron because of that. And then old Don Ron did it again on Tuesday. Take a listen. Then on the uh, the defensive line, the, the defensive end position, you know, with uh, with both uh, James Williams Smith and, and Casey Tuhill. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie Boy calling James Smith Williams James Williams Smith. Look, it's a forgivable sin. Okay, hyphenated last names aren't always the easiest to remember. Although those two names that make up the hyphenated last name of James Smith Williams are what two of the most common if not the two most common last names in this country Smith and Williams I mean it's not that complicated uh but the name is James Smith Williams not James William Smith you know with uh, with both uh, James William Smith and and Casey Tuhill no Ron it's James Smith Williams not James William Smith anyway uh, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill, and Shaka Tony. Those are your five edge rushers on Washington's first 53. So Casey Tuhill did make it. I thought he would make it despite missing so much time due to his toe injury. And Shaka Tony made it over Washington's other 2021 seventh round pick who was an edge rusher, William Bradley King. Martin Mayhew on Tuesday on Shaka Tony. Yeah, yeah, we saw a very high energy guy that plays really hard. He's got a lot of juice off the edge. You got can run. He ran four or five, you know, for a defensive end, which is really good. Um, we saw some of that juice in the Baltimore game on the play the coach was talking about. When he comes off, when he gets off, and he gets off, usually gets off the ball pretty quickly. Um, he really stresses the offensive tackles. Um, so we see that with him. It hasn't been as consistent, but he's a young player, and we want to keep working with him and keep trying to to uh, develop him. Yeah, Shaka Tony is undersized, but he was yet another athletic freak selected by Washington in the 2021 NFL Draft. You heard Martin Mayhew allude to this early in that cut. Tony, with what he did at the Penn State Pro Day in March, ranked number 72 out of 1,361 defensive end prospects in relative athletic score from 1987 through 2021. Shaka Tony at Penn State was productive and a leader. 47 games over four seasons as a player at Penn State. He totaled 20 and a half sacks. That's number eight in Penn State history in terms of career sacks. And Shaka Tony in his 2020 redshirt senior season started all nine of Penn State's games and was a team captain. No surprises from Washington when it came to interior defensive linemen. Washington kept four in the cut down to 53. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, and Tim Settle. Well, you certainly don't want any surprises regarding your health. Uh, No bad surprises, anyway. As summer is winding down and we've all been spending time outside, it is important to remember your skin health. If you are having issues with your skin or have concerns about your skin, always know that a big supporter of the Al Galdi podcast and a big fan of the Washington football team, Dr. George Verghese, is there for you. He is the medical director for the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. He's a board-certified dermatologist at Mohs Surgeon. The Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland diagnoses and treats a broad range of acute and chronic skin conditions, including skin cancer. And specific to that, Dr. George Verghese and his institute offers something that's a game changer, superficial radiation therapy, or SRT. SRT is an alternative to surgical procedures for basal cell and squamous cell skin cancers. SRT is safe, effective, and non-surgical. You see, having skin cancer doesn't mean having to have surgery and the downtime and side effects, cosmetic and otherwise, that come with surgery. You have options. SRT is an option, and Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer the option of SRT unlike many other dermatology practices in the area, and SRT is covered by most insurances. If you're dealing with skin cancer, we certainly hope that you are doing well, but give Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland a call. 301-396-3401. Make sure that you tell them that Al Galdi sent you. That phone number again, 301-396-3401. Or visit MidAtlanticSkin.com. That's MidAtlanticSkin.com. Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, nationally recognized for treating skin cancer across the Mid-Atlantic region. 
All right, we continue with the breakdown of the Washington football team's cutdown to 53. Time now to talk offense. Washington in its cutdown to 53 on Tuesday kept three quarterbacks, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke, and Kyle Allen. That's good. Uh, Washington absolutely needed to keep three quarterbacks on the 53. Hopefully, Washington only plays one quarterback this entire season. But if you've been around here for any length of time, you know that the likelihood of that isn't sky high. Uh, Washington has started at least three different quarterbacks in each of the last three seasons. And who the heck knows what the 2021 season has in store for us when it comes to Washington football team quarterback performance, quarterback injury, and quarterback drama. Uh, Now, probably the biggest news in the NFL on cutdown day on Tuesday was the New England Patriots releasing Cam Newton. Of course, uh, Cam was Ron Rivera's quarterback on the Carolina Panthers for years. Now, Ron, these last two off-seasons, has showed essentially no interest in signing Cam. The whole thing of, is Washington going to sign Cam Newton? That, to me, is a dead issue. It did get brought up, though, at Ron Rivera's and Martin Mayhew's joint press conference on Tuesday. Ron got asked whether the Patriots releasing Cam came across Ron's radar, and you will, during Ron's answer, hear him make official what we've all known for a while regarding Ryan Fitzpatrick. It, it did pop up on our, on our radar, um, but just so you know, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick is our starting quarterback. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, so that's where we are. We, we have three guys we like, you know, that, that all, you know, came to camp, did a nice job for us, and we're going to go forward with those guys. All right, so A, Ron again says, no thank you on Cam Newton. That is 100% the right call. And B, Rod on Tuesday does officially declare Ryan Fitzpatrick as Washington's starting quarterback. No surprise, but Ron previously had passed on announcing Fitzpatrick as Washington's QB1. Rod on Tuesday actually volunteered proclaiming Fitzmagic as Washington's QB1. The most notable activity for Washington on offense in the cut down to 53 was at receiver. Uh, Washington kept seven receivers, as I thought would be the case, as I know many of you thought would be the case, but as was the case at corner, the who is what surprised you. So the seven receivers on Washington's first 53 are Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys, Cam Sims, Deami Brown, Dax Milne, and DeAndre Carter. So Washington cut Antonio Gandy-Golden. I was surprised by that. Ron Rivera thought enough of AGG to spend a 2020 fourth-round pick on AGG. But you know what? It speaks well of Ron that he was willing to cut AGG after just one season. That shows that Ron isn't going to be blindly loyal to someone just because Ron drafted that someone and doesn't want to look wrong. I mean, obviously, that doesn't make the pick look very good. That's true. But maybe Washington can sign AGG to its practice squad. And there's a larger issue here, which I think is a good issue. And that is that Ron is not afraid to admit a mistake. And it sure seems like he admitted a mistake in taking AGG with a 2020 fourth round pick. Here was Ron on Tuesday on releasing Antonio Gandy-Golden. Well, I think it's a little bit of a sign of where the position has gone. And, and it was it was tough to, 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 to let him go because he had his moments. And, you know, not having a full year last year, missing out after I think it was the Giants game early in the season, really kind of set him back. And, and, and then as we started to see him come in, it was pretty much as if he was starting with this new draft class. Um, you know, one guy that had a, had a strong camp, uh, obviously, was, was Cam Sims and a big-bodied receiver. And so, you know, as we were looking and trying to decide, that's kind of where we went. But I, I do think, you know, AGG's the kind of guy that, you know, you get an opportunity to have him back, he, he's going to grow and, and get even better. I mean, he's, he really took some huge strides this, this, uh, this summer, and it's, it's uh, something we have to really look at. Yeah, I really hope Washington can sign Antonio Gandy-Golden back to the practice squad. But you can never overestimate how much missing time due to injury damages you as a player, both in terms of production and in terms of your value to the team. AGG had a lost 2020 rookie season, and that lost 2020 rookie season ultimately leads to him getting cut before the start of his second season. AGG was on Washington's reserve injured list for more than two months last season due to a hamstring injury that was suffered in the loss at the New York Giants in week six. AGG was on Washington's reserve injured list from October 24th of last year 
to December 26th of last year, and he basically was done. I mean, he never really did anything. Uh, his first game back was that loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field in Week 16. Gandy Golden in that game, no receptions on three targets and playing on 83% of Washington's offensive snaps. He then was inactive for Washington's win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football in Week 17 to clinch the NFC East and was inactive for the wild card loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field. So AGG got cut on Tuesday and both Dax Milne and DeAndre Carter made Washington's 53 on Tuesday. Ron had had a lot of nice things to say about Dax, so I don't think that anybody is stunned that Dax Milne made Washington's first 53. Uh, Dax Milne was the penultimate player selected in the 2021 NFL Draft. He was Washington's third seventh-round pick in the 2021 Draft, and yet he ended up making Washington's first 53. Good for him. That's a great story. I thought that DeAndre Carter would make Washington's 53, and sure enough, he did. Ron on Tuesday on DeAndre Carter and on Washington's return situation. DeAndre had a very good camp, first and foremost. Did some really good things as a receiver, um, you know, in practices and in the preseason games. Uh, but his return ability is really one of the things that caught our attention. He's, he's a dual returner. He's, he's got that kind of flex. Um, you know, and then with Dax, you have a guy that's got dual return ability as well. If we need a kickoff guy, Jared's more than available. And then we have a safety guy that basically catches everything, and that's in Humphreys. You know, we don't really want to use Adam in that position. But having four guys that have some returnability individually, um, that, that gives you some depth at that position. You know, the receiver position was, you know, as I said earlier, was, was one that we, we went with the idea of uh, trying to improve with speed. And, and we felt really good about what we did with those guys. All right, so Ron right there made it pretty clear that Washington's top two return men are DeAndre Carter and Dax Milne with potentially some Jarrett Patterson and, in rare instances, Adam Humphreys. Washington did release Danny Johnson on Tuesday. He was among the cuts at corner. Johnson had been Washington's primary kickoff returner in two of the last three seasons. Now, I mentioned Jarrett Patterson. He did make Washington's first 53. By this point, it was not a surprise that Jared Patterson made Washington's first 53, but this still is a big deal that Jared Patterson makes the first 53. So Washington in the cut down to 53 on Tuesday kept just three running backs, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and Jared Patterson. So yes, Peyton Barber was released. I had room for Barber on the Goldie projected 53 for the Washington football team, but obviously Ron did not have room for Barber on the actual Washington football team, 53. Uh, Ron on Tuesday on keeping Jarrett Patterson and releasing Peyton Barber. Well, I, th- I think the biggest thing is uh, with the running back situation, we thought Jarrett had a pretty good camp. And he's a young guy that you know we want to take a little bit of a look at. And uh, we'll just go from there as far as that position is concerned. Pretty cool story that Jarrett Patterson, an undrafted rookie out of Buffalo who went to St. Vincent Pilate High School in Laurel, ends up making Washington's first 53. Martin Mayhew on Tuesday on what Jarrett Patterson can be as an NFL running back and pay close attention to whom Martin compares Jarrett. I think Jarrett can be pretty special. He's got a ways to go. Obviously, he's a young player. Um, did not have a great game that third game, but we saw a lot those first two games that was very promising from him. He's an explosive guy. He, could, he has really good vision. Um, he brings a lot to, to he brings a lot to the table. Uh, he reminds me a lot of when I we had some guys here, uh, Ricky Urban's, who I played with, former teammate of mine, Jamie Morris, former teammate of mine. Um, both those guys were, were built low to the ground, hard to tackle, and both of them had really great vision acceleration. That's what, 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 what uh, Jared has, too. Jared can squirt through the hole, and a lot of times the linebackers can't find him behind the offensive line. So he brings a lot to the table. He's going to be fun to watch this year, and hopefully he continues to grow and develop as a player. So how about that? Martin Mayhew comparing Jared Patterson to the great Ricky Irvins who was part of maybe the greatest three-headed running back monster in Washington history, the 1991 Super Bowl champion team, the greatest team in Washington history, a three-headed running back monster of Ernest Biner, Gerald Riggs, and Ricky Irvins. I love that team. Well, one of the reasons that there wasn't room for Peyton Barber on Washington's first 53-man roster was that Washington kept four tight ends, not three. 
Logan Thomas, John Bates, Ricky Seals-Jones, and Samus Reyes. Now, there's a definite strategy in keeping Reyes on the first 53. It's hard to say that he's 53-man roster ready. Uh, That does not seem to be the case. But Washington did not want to risk losing Samus Reyes to another team and trying to get him to the practice squad. And so Reyes, for now anyway, is on Washington's 53. We'll see for how long that lasts. Uh, But that is something else, right? Samus Reyes, a guy from Chile who had never played football at any meaningful level until the 2021 preseason, ends up making Washington's first 53-man roster. He is an athletic freak. Every indication is that he's a hard worker. And we know that Ron Rivera already has been impressed with Samus Reyes's blocking. Martin Mayhew on Tuesday on Samus Reyes. Well, it's been very exciting watching Samus, you know, from start to where we are right now. He's improved uh, dramatically from going back to when he first got here. He has every tool that you want as an athlete. Uh, it's just getting him to translate that into playing this game. And he did a, he did a lot of really promising things in the games uh, that he played in uh, that give us an indication that he's on the right track. So we do see him as a guy who's a you know, very valuable guy to try to try to develop for the future. Yeah, so you do get the sense there that Washington may well ultimately prefer Reyes on the practice squad. Uh, And then no surprises for Washington along the offensive line in the cut down to 53. Washington kept exactly the nine guys who I thought that Washington would keep. Charles Leno Jr., Eric Flowers, Wes Schweitzer, Chase Rullier, Brandon Sheriff, Samuel Cosme, Cornelius Lucas, Sadiq Charles, and Tyler Larson. Washington did release David Sharp and the cut down to 53. He spent three and a half weeks on the reserve COVID-19 list, was on that from July 31st to August 23rd. Not much to say about the Washington football team specialists on the first 53. As the late great Denny Green said years ago, they are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. Yes, Denny, they are who we thought they were. Dustin Hopkins, the kicker. Tressway, the punter and the holder. And the Cheeseman, Cameron Cheeseman, as the long snapper. Washington scheduled for the rest of the week plus practice on Wednesday, padded practice on Thursday, then three days off for the players as mandated by the collective bargaining agreement Friday through Sunday, then practice on Monday, day off on Tuesday, practice on Wednesday, as next week is a game week. Week one of the 2021 NFL season, the Washington football team, our team, to host the Los Angeles Chargers at FedEx Field Sunday afternoon, September 12th at 1. It is football season. This is a great time of year. Well, we had major Nationals news on Tuesday. I'll get to that after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
So there are many reasons for why the Nationals are as bad as they are this season. Now, 21 games below 500, 55 and 76, a 12-6 loss to the Philadelphia Phillies at Nationals Park on Tuesday night. But two of the biggest reasons in terms of individual players are Patrick Corbin and Victor Robles. Each guy a hero for the Nats in their World Series winning season of 2019. Each guy has completely collapsed over the last two seasons, and each guy was on display on Tuesday, though in very different ways. We'll get to the latest dreadful start by Patrick Corbin in a bit, but the Nats on Tuesday announced major news. Victor Robles sent down to AAA Rochester. Yeah, demoted to the minors. The Nats on Tuesday optioned Robles to AAA Rochester and recalled Andrew Stevenson from Rochester. And I want you to consider the circumstances for a moment here. So Tuesday was August 31st. That means Wednesday is September 1st. It is on September 1st that each major league team is allowed to expand its active roster from 26 to 28 players. So as rosters are about to expand, the Nats still send Robles to AAA Rochester. Also, Tuesday was game one for the Nats without Alcides Escobar off the injury that he suffered on Monday night. Alcides Escobar suffered a left knee contusion in the 7-4 loss to the Philadelphia Phillies at Nationals Park on Monday night. The Nats are a team that is very much lacking in positional versatility. Position flex, as Ron Rivera would say. Position flex. Yes, Ron, position flex. And so you had a Fukakta setup for the Nationals in terms of the defense on Tuesday night. You had Josh Bell in left field. The Nationals, again, don't have many options in terms of guys who can be deployed around the diamond. And yet still, Victor Robles, an outfielder, got demoted to AAA Rochester. The circumstances during which Robles was demoted tell you everything you need to know about how much the Nats wanted to demote Victor Robles. He has been terrible offensively this season. And I say that as someone who has been a Victor Robles proponent. I have said many times I did not like the way Davey Martinez pulled the plug on Victor Robles as the Nationals every game leadoff batter early this season. Davey barely gave Victor a chance. I have said I did not like it when Davey was batting Victor Robles ninth behind the starting pitcher routinely earlier this season. And I have said that Victor Robles should be the Nationals every game center fielder and number one batter over the course of the rest of the season. When the Nationals engaged in that sell-off in late July, one of the things that I wanted to see was a good faith chance for Victor Robles to play out the season as the Nationals every game center fielder and number one batter. And let's see him put up or shut up. Can he get the job done or can't he? Can he fix himself? Can he right himself or can't he? And I still believe all those things that I said, but I also at the same time acknowledge Victor hasn't held up his end of the bargain. And so both things to me are true. I don't like the way that the Nationals have handled Victor Robles this season. And I wonder sometimes if there are some things behind the scenes that we're not aware of. But it's also true that Victor has been a terrible offensive player this season. And so at no point can you say that Victor's performance commanded that he be treated better by the Nationals. I mean, Victor Robles this season has the following slash line, a batting average of 203, an on-base percentage of 310, a slugging percentage of 295. That's the number that slaps you across the face more than anything. The guy is slugging 295. That is a microscopic slugging percentage. A slugging percentage of 400 isn't good. His slugging percentage is 295. Robles in the 2020 regular season slugged 315. This is a guy who in the 2019 regular season hit 17 homers and slugged 419. And 419 isn't a great slugging percentage, but it's passable. You can operate with that. This guy has lost all of his power. He seemingly has lost all of his offensive confidence. He doesn't hit balls hard. He doesn't drive balls. He's an offensive mess. And 
He's not even doing things like stealing bases. Victor Robles' stolen base percentage is actually one of the poorer ones on the Nationals this season. Victor Robles on the season is a mere 8 for 14 on stolen bases. Not good. Take a listen to this. Davey Martinez, during his pregame press conference on Tuesday, on Victor Robles and what now for him at, again, AAA Rochester. Yeah, I want him to, to continue to progress. And, uh, and like I said, and, and be consistently hitting the ball hard, um, working good at bats, taking his walks, uh, doing the little things, you know, bun when he has to bunt. Um, that's all that, that's all part of the process for him. Um, we need him to get on base. Uh, you know, we need him to drive in balls. You know, I'm not a, we're not asking him to hit, you know, 300, uh, you, know, you know, but we're at because, you know, the way he plays defense, uh, we need his defense out there. So, you know, we're just asking him to put the ball in play, hit the ball hard consistently, um, be a good, good, good base runner uh, every t- every every day, every, every time he's on there. Be aggressive, but be a good base runner. And like I said, just play the play the game, do the little things right. Yeah, what you heard from Davey there was, Victor, all we need you to do is be passable offensively. All we need you to do is be competent offensively. We don't need you to be Juan Soto. We don't need you to be Fernando Tatis Jr. We don't need you to be an elite batter. You just have to be a decent batter, even like a slightly below average batter, just so we can justify having you out there. You're a very good defensive center fielder. There are some things you bring to the table that can really help us, but you are an automatic out. One of my favorite stats to use in baseball is OPS+. plus. It's OPS that's adjusted for a player's league and home ballpark. 100 is league average. Victor Robles' OPS plus this season is 70, okay? That is so bad. His OPS plus in that 2019 regular season was 91. Now, that's still below league average, but that's close enough to the league average to where you say, all right, you can work with that. You can function with that. Victor Robles offensively is non-functioning this season. And what's making his struggles even more glaring is what Lane Thomas continues to do. Lane Thomas has supplanted Victor Robles as the Nats every game center fielder and number one batter for, I would say, at least the rest of this season. And you know what? Maybe moving forward. I mean, there's going to be a lot of talk this offseason about what now for Victor Robles. And it may be that he is done with the Nats. Although if you try to trade him this offseason, good luck getting anything of consequence for him. I mean, he has been so devalued over these last two years. So I'm not sure what happens with Robles moving forward. You know, it may well be that this is who he is. And he's Michael A. Taylor, Danny Espinosa, a guy who can field, but a guy who just isn't good enough as a hitter to be an everyday player. But anyway, Lane Thomas continues to hit really well, and he hit well again on Tuesday night. So the Nats lost on Tuesday night. 12-6 was the final to the Philadelphia Phillies at Nationals Park. Lane Thomas one for four with an RBI double and a walk. Bottom of the second, he had a two-out RBI double. Nats two run fourth. He had a leadoff five-pitch walk. Got on base a couple of times. That's all the Nats are asking for, and certainly not every game, but Robles doesn't do that with any kind of frequency. Lane Thomas now over 54 plate appearances with the Nats, has an OPS of 864, an on-base percentage of four. Oh, seven. oh, by the way, Stevenson on Tuesday night, a pinch leadoff single in the bottom of the eighth inning. So yeah, with this game on Tuesday night, another marathon between the Nats and the Phillies. If you watch this game like I watch this game, my deepest sympathies to you. 12-6 was the final. The game took three hours, 50 minutes. Yeah, a near four-hour, nine-inning baseball game. This was yet another lengthy, slow-moving, plodding, painful Nats-Phillies game this season. It feels like every game between these two teams takes forever. And how about two of the six Nationals relievers who pitched on Tuesday night. So the Nats on Tuesday, in addition to optioning Victor Robles to AAA Rochester and bringing Andrew Stevenson back up from AAA Rochester, also placed Kyle Finnegan on the paternity list and recalled Wander Suero from AAA Rochester. Uh, Because Patrick Corbin was wretched again on Tuesday night, Davey Martinez ended up using six relievers in this game. The six relievers combined to allow six runs in four innings. Now, only two of the relievers were bad. Mason Thompson, Sam Clay, 
Kyle McGowan and Ryan Harper all got the job done in various ways. Andres Machado and Wander Suero did not get the job done. Machado was a disaster in a Philly six-run six, during which he allowed three runs on a double, three singles, a hit-by-pitch, and recorded just one out. Suero was atrocious in a three-run Phillies ninth. He got just two outs, gave up three runs on a homer, two doubles, a single, two walks, and a wild pitch. He threw 36 pitches in getting just the two outs in that three-run Phillies ninth. Suero had been down at AAA for a while. I don't know what he did at AAA. He got worse at AAA. That's hard to do. Most guys get better to at least some degree at AAA. Sam Clay, I feel like, got better during his recent stint at AAA. Sam Clay on Tuesday night, one and the third perfect innings, including a perfect top of the seventh with two strikeouts. Suero somehow got worse, and he looked worse in this game on Tuesday night. My God, man, throw strikes, get outs, especially in a blowout loss like this one. And still, it was like water torture watching that ninth inning. Again, three hours, 15 minutes. I mean, God help us. But of course, the reason Davey Martinez had to use six relievers in this game on Tuesday night was because Patrick Corbin was bad again. Now, he was actually good initially in this outing, but he then fell apart. And we've seen that happen with him and others on the Nats this year. So Corbin in this 12-6 loss to the Phillies at Nationals Park on Tuesday night, six runs in five innings. He gave up nine hits, two homers, two doubles, and five singles. He issued four walks. He had four strikeouts. He threw just 53 strikes versus 40 balls on 93 pitches. He's a mess. This has been a nightmare of a season. Patrick Corbin now has made 26 starts this season. His ERA is up to 626. That is the worst ERA among qualified pitchers in the majors. He now has given up 33 home runs this season, a record for most home runs allowed by a Nats pitcher in a regular season. And he just isn't good. Now, you know, he gets off to the night start on Tuesday night. That's true. But as you're watching it, you're just kind of waiting for the bottom to fall out. And sure enough, the bottom fell out. Three scoreless innings. Then comes him giving up two runs in the top of the fourth on his first two pitches of the inning. A leadoff first pitch, bun single by our old pal Bryce Harper to beat the shift, followed by a first pitch two-run homer by Andrew McCutcheon on a bomb to left field to cut the Nats' lead to 3-2. The homer coming on a 65.3 mile-per-hour curveball. The homer going up projected 409 feet per stat cast. Also in the inning was Corbin giving up a one-out double to Ronald Torres on an 0-2 pitch. Corbin allowed a run in the top of the fifth on a two-out first pitch double by Gene Segura. A two-out four-pitch walk of Bryce Harper. A two-out four-pitch walk of Andrew McCutcheon. And a two-out RBI single by Jorge Bonifacio, who is the younger brother of ex-Nat Emilio Bonifacio. And then Corbin allowed three runs in a six-run Philly six on a leadoff single by Matt Veerling. A two-run homer by Rafael Marchand for his first home run of the season. And a pinch six-pitch walk of Nick Maton, who would score with Andres Machado pitching. Second consecutive really bad season for Patrick Corbin, who is worse this season than he was last season. This is not going to be a situation to me where you allow a guy to have a third consecutive bad season. If Patrick Corbin is like this next season, Patrick Corbin to me goes to the bullpen. And I don't care about that contract. Six years, $140 million. You can't go through this next season for a third straight year. Patrick Corbin being one of the worst pitchers in baseball. He's not getting better. We've talked about this many times. Nobody really knows for sure why he is so bad, but we just know that he is really bad. You can't deal with this for a third straight year next year. Have him finish out this season in the rotation. I suppose he starts next season in the rotation, but if, you know, a month and a half into the season, things are not going well. He goes to the bullpen, okay? We are not dancing this dance in 2022 for a third consecutive season when it comes to the struggles of Patrick Corbin. Uh, a few bright spots for the Nats in this 12-6 loss to the Phillies at Nationals Park on Tuesday night. Carter Keepum did homer for a second consecutive game. So Keeboom was the Nats' number two batter with Alcides Escobar not playing. And Keeboom in the bottom of the fourth, a two-run homer to left center field for a 5-2 Nats lead. Yeah, the Nats were up 5-2 in this game before ultimately falling 12-6, uh, but that was a nice shot by Kibu, and the homer going up projected 412 feet 
for StatCast. Keyboom, bottom of the first, drew a one-out four-pitch walk. He did have a defensive boo-boo, although it's all relative in this game, but in that Phillies three-run ninth, uh, Keyboom whiffing on an attempted barehanded scoop of a grounder off the bat of Gene Segura on a two-out infield single. But Keyboom homered for a second straight game. We saw Luis Garcia have a multi-hit night, so Garcia was in that starting shortstop with Escobar out. Uh, Garcia two for five with an RBI ground rule double and a single. And Josh Bell with Escobar out, as mentioned, he was in that starting left fielder and Bell was productive for a second time in as many games in this series. Bell went two for four with a double, a single, and a walk. Uh, also with the Nats on Tuesday. So this was game number two for Kbert Ruiz as the Nats starting catcher and number six batter. He went one for five with a single and an RBI. He in the bottom of the seventh had a leadoff single to center field. Ruiz had a one out RBI force out grounder in the bottom of the ninth inning. We did not see Riley Adams, the Nats other catcher on the active roster right now, but I bring up Riley Adams because the player who the Nats traded to the Toronto Blue Jays for Riley Adams, Brad Hand, was in the news on Tuesday. Did you see this? The Blue Jays on Tuesday designated Brad Hand for assignment. Yeah, the Blue Jays told Brad Hand to go away. Brad Hand had been so bad for Toronto. Ten runs, seven earned in eight and two-thirds innings. The Nats, as part of the massive sell-off in late July, dealt Brad Hand to the Toronto Blue Jays for Riley Adams. That was a trade that happened on July 29th. Adams has been really good for the Nationals. Hand, so bad for the Blue Jays that Toronto ends up DFAing him basically a month after acquiring him. I mean, that's a stunner. You almost never see something like that happen. A trade deadline acquisition DFA'd by the team that gets the guy like a month after getting the guy. That's, I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen that happen. But man, Brad Hand, I mean, we saw this with the Nats. When he was good, he was great. But when he was bad, he was awful. And he was awful with the Blue Jays over this last month. And now Hand is DFA'd. So what a trade that ends up being. I mean, it was already a no-brainer given the state of the Nats season, trading away a free agent to be in Brad Hand. But he ends up being a mess for the Blue Jays. And the Nats get back this guy, Riley Adams, who's done a nice job and maybe is a piece, I think very much could be a piece for the Nationals moving forward. Game three for the Nats against the Phillies at Nationals Park, scheduled for Wednesday night at 7.05, but the weather is not supposed to be good. A whole lot of rain in the forecast, so we'll see if this game ends up taking place. Paolo Espino versus Aaron Nola. Well, it doesn't happen often, so when it happens, we must celebrate it properly it is the Orioles winning. They won on Tuesday night, a 4-2 win at the Toronto Blue Jays in game two of a three-game series. And so, Joe Angel, if you would. And the Orioles again in the win column. Yes, Joe, they are. The O's now a major league worst 41 at 90. Uh, They actually got no hit for quite a while in this game on Tuesday night until who else broke up the no-hit bid? The white-hot Ryan Mountcastle, your Orioles starting first baseman at number two batter. I, on Tuesday's show, episode 134, talked about Mountcastle's torrid August. Well, Mountcastle put a capper on that torrid August by breaking up a no-hit bid. Uh, Only had one hit in the game, but it was a double that broke up a no-hit bid by the Blue Jays starter, Hyun Jin Ryu. Mountcastle, a two-out double in what ended up being a three-run six for the O's. But the biggest item from this game by far was that Keegan Aiken was good for a second consecutive start. Aiken on Tuesday night, one run in five innings. He gave up just two hits, a solo homer and a double. He did issue three walks, but he also had five strikeouts. He threw 53 strikes versus 32 balls on 85 pitches. I know that you don't throw a parade for a starting pitcher lasting for just five innings, but given the season that Keegan Aiken has had, and also given the opposition on Tuesday night, the Blue Jays are one of the best hitting teams in the majors. The Blue Jays came into games on Tuesday, number three in the majors in team weighted runs created plus at 109. 100 is league average. Toronto is legitimately one of the best offensive teams in baseball, and to hold that team to one run in five innings That's something for Keegan Aiken to be proud of. And this is now back-to-back strong outings 
for Keegan Aiken. He, in his last start, the 13-1 win over the Los Angeles Angels at Oriole Park at Camden Yards last Thursday afternoon, had the best outing of his major league career, one run in seven innings with six strikeouts. Keegan Aiken had been a mess this season at the major league level. Prior to these last two starts, he had appeared in 18 games this season, 11 starts, an ERA of 792, a whip of 181. He had been expected to begin the regular season in the major league rotation, but he got optioned to AAA Norfolk on March 26th before the regular season even started. He wasn't recalled from Norfolk until May 10th. He was on the COVID-19 injured list from July 21st to August 1st. He, in coming off the COVID-19 IL, was used as a reliever twice before being promoted back into the rotation. He still was having problems until these last two starts. And so this is a big deal. If Keegan Aiken is possibly, finally, figuring things out. The O's took Aiken in the second round of the 2016 MLB draft. This is only his age 26 season. And I am intrigued now. I mean, you know, you have to attach the obvious caveat of we got to see more. But the fear with that performance against the Angels last week was that was just some fluke performance never to be replicated again. Well, not that Aiken was lights out on Tuesday night, but he was pretty good again on Tuesday night. So hopefully he's establishing himself here as the season winds down. Game two for the O's at the Blue Jays Wednesday night at 7.07, a battle of two former New York Mets, Matt Harvey versus Steven Matz. All right, my friends, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. The Washington football team on Wednesday will form its initial version of the practice squad and will practice. So we'll have plenty to get into on Thursday's show, episode 136. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. You know, with, uh, with both uh, James William Smith and, and Casey Tuhill.